With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Banks of the Raritan podcast presented by the Fans First Sports Network. We're back with the Banks of the Raritan podcast. I'm your host, Greg Petuto, here once again with Matt Forno. Rutgers is 3-0. and Another impressive victory. Got it done on the ground. Got it done defensively. Took advantage of a banged-up Virginia Tech team. We're going to dive into all that from the weekend. But first, Matt, you were at the game Saturday. First experience, either one of us getting out to one. I've unfortunately been unable to make it, but it's on my to-do list. So give me give me the game day vibes from Saturday, the crowd, the experience, the tailgate, all that. Absolutely. Uh, last week, I was sick. I was playing. I was doing the podcast, I guess you can say, Hurt. This week, I had too much fun at the game. Little horse, all in good fun. It was very fun, uh, just from start to finish, including the tailgating to post-game. Everything was a positive experience, and uh, that starts with the tailgate that we began at, like, 9 a.m. I hosted an awesome tailgate with uh, my fiancé went to Virginia Tech, so it was a bunch of peop- bunch of Hokies, a bunch of Scarlet Knights, a lot of other people, positive tailgate, showed them around. The uh, Scarlet Walk was... I again, I haven't been to the other two games, but for my friends who have been, there was the biggest turnout. It, it was tremendous. That's always a good gauge for me to know how the game is going to start, what I can expect from the crowd. Now, like m- m- like most games, overall very positive experience. Now, I was in in away the away section primarily because we were with so many Virginia Tech fans. That's where we got our block seating. They were there was a great uh, showing of Hokies at the stadium. They were participants as well, uh, but you know up until once things got a little out of hand, that's when they started funneling out. But credit to them for hanging in there tough for the whole game because it did get ugly at times. But the stadium at the beginning, it, 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 it like Rutgers, it always fills in, I want to say, midway through, maybe towards the end of the first quarter. The student section, that wasn't the case. They were there. Again, it wasn't full at the start of the game, but by the middle of the first quarter, student section was packed, which is always great. Upper levels were, I'd say, 30, 30, 30%, 40% filled. Uh, the, the lower bowls, the end zone, the sidelines were pretty much full. The corner of the end zones opposite of the scoreboard, maybe about 75%. All, probably the biggest showing of the game so far. Probably one of the most exciting games there. Uh, but it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, I know a lot of fans kind of complain about that f- train horn that goes pretty much throughout the whole game. But, again, I was in the away team section, so the times didn't feel very loud. But it, it clearly was because I had friends in other sections saying that the friends were very, very loud and, and passionate throughout the whole game. But it was fun. Can't wait to go back. Not sure when that's going to be for me. More weddings, unfortunately. Uh, but it's it was a fun time. I was very happy. It was a game I was looking forward to for eight years. And I'm sure so many other people had a positive experience. And we also showed the Virginia Tech fans a good side of Rutgers as well because we haven't played them in, I think, 12 years or 11 yeah, years. Yeah. So it's fun to get that rivalry renewed. But you know, on the topic of them, they're just unfortunately a struggling program. But I did, I do think they found their quarterback, which we'll obviously get into. Yeah, the it, it was nice having the old Big East rivalry back between these two teams. A game that Rutgers came in once again expecting to win. They came in as favored. Virginia Tech came in very banged up, and they were able to get it done. And it was 
interesting to see kind of this, you know, some of the stuff we talked about last week come to fruition when it came to matchups in this game, whether it be the Rutgers defense against Virginia Tech's rushing attack or most importantly, the rushing attack into um, against Virginia Tech's rush defense, which has been struggling really from last year, but this year as well. I mentioned giving up 200 yards to Old Dominion on the ground. That's just that's something that can't happen if you're going to be, you know, that power five team. And I guess that's a good place to start when you look at, again, Kyle Menungai just absolutely dominating the first couple of weeks of the season. And it's impressive he's doing it on, on a Big Ten level now. This isn't just, you know, quote-unquote Rutgers um, success. He 16 carries, 143 yards, three scores. He was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. And then when you look at his numbers, all of a sudden he's leading the conference in rushing yards. When you look at a Big Ten that has the likes of Blake Corum and Braylon Allen, all these guys that can run the football, Kyle Manunga is sitting there at the top of this list. He's six nationally in rushing yards and really creating that identity for Rutgers over the first three weeks. Yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> – I think he had maybe a drop or two in the passing game, but a lot of those was because Gavin was, like, zipping them into him. Aside from that, he was just outstanding, truly outstanding. He's been outstanding. He's done everything the team's asked him for, whether it's – you know, run the ball when we need you, lead for Gavin on runs, and just make awesome blocks as well as a pass protector. He's just done a tremendous job. And someone like me, I, w- I, was, I was worried about him coming into the season, not because I don't think he's a good player. wasn't sure he was going to play. And he's just done a tremendous, tremendous job. And I don't – right now, he's, he's hot. you got to keep feeding the ball. This isn't just a coincidence. He's making players miss. He plays physical. And, he, and he's making big breakaway plays. I think that 55-yard touchdown in the third quarter – I think, if they, I think the stats were – it was our longest rush play since 2020. I think Pacheco had a, a long run. I don't remember which, against which team, but still, like, that's good. We saw a big explosive play. I don't know if we saw anything like that last year. Clearly not 55 yards. And him and Gavin were just great on the ground. I mean, we found that we, – we know what our identity is going to be. Clearly, we, need, we know where we need to improve. But we've if we can do what we did against this team, against games that we should win – the defense is good enough where we can we can get those dubs. So an overall very encouraging win. And I like to think about it. I, I know I mentioned it in previous pods, but we've we've checked the box of going 3-0. And I think Virginia Tech, and you tell me if you disagree, was clearly the best team of the three out-of-conference opponents. And I thought it was a good test for the team. You know, that there, there was a bit of a fight that came back from Virginia Tech. Previous Rutgers teams fold there. We lose all momentum after that second touchdowns happens. What does Rutgers do? They answer immediately, literally immediately. Like they, it, after that touchdown by Kyle Manungai, I was completely, I, right, I'm sure the way fans felt after the Virginia Tech touchdown, feeling a little bit of doubt. Once that Kyle Manungai bust that run away, all of that doubt was removed and I knew we were winning that game. So it was, it was very, very fun. Uh, and, and one of the, that's that's what how I lost my voice was because of that touchdown run. I was I was I was screaming. I was yelling. I actually fell forward because I was just like I was like that Tony Soprano meme when he's like shooting his hands up at the yeah, at his, yeah, at his yeah. daughter's yeah. soccer game, and I just completely fell forward. It, it, it was it was just how it goes, but it was very fun. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that Rutgers did a tremendous job closing out this game when when they needed to most. And and Kyle Manungai, it's it's not something that we haven't seen before. But kind of like you said, coming into the season, Samuel Brown was expected to be healthy. You didn't really know how much Manungai was going to play, was going to be a factor. And as you look at it now, obviously Aaron Young dealing with what he's dealing with. Maybe Samuel Brown's not 100% back yet, so they're taking a little more time. But at the same time, like you mentioned, ride the hot hand. And I think that's good coaching. You know, when you look at last year, Manungai was the guy to kind of start the season. Brown took over. He gets hurt. He had that big game against Michigan State, Manungai, you know, being that guy again. I think it was like 160 yards or something like that. And he's doing it again this year, showing he could kind of be that workhorse. But like I said, I think coaching is, is very important in this decision because, you know, if Brown's not healthy, again, don't force him back. That's a good move. Manungai's the hot hand right now, obviously, in the, in the three games that we've seen. Feed him the ball. Let them work. He's obviously got something going on in the backfield. I think that's that's a lot of good coaching as well. So he's he's doing what he has to do. The line's creating holes. But like I said, the coaching continues to impress me, Kirk Soraka especially, with, with how he calls games and kind of focuses on game plans as well. Because, again, this wasn't a big – it wasn't a big performance from, from Gavin Wimsatt, obviously, you know, when you look at the box score or even watch the game live. But when you could run the ball effectively like that, I mean, my nine guy's getting nine yards of carry. That's really all you have to do. 
Yeah, I mean, completely agree. Now, I, I do want, I feel like, yes, what you said about Gavin was correct, but only regarding his arm. When he ran the ball 11 times for 87 yards, he did, he was great too. Yes, I mean, yes. four, That's what I meant in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when I just think of one overarching thing, and I was, uh, I try to, especially when I'm at games, I try to go back and actually watch the game, like full, every play. And I was doing that, and I'm, I'm, I was actually on the Peloton and I dropped the remote. So I had to listen to the whole halftime show. I'm glad I did because they said that we, this was three straight and this is, this was at halftime. So the game wasn't over yet. We have three straight games of scoring 21 points or more. And obviously the team scored 35 in this one. And I think they said in the last 24 or five, I think it was 24 games, 25, maybe 24 the last two seasons, we did it five times, so we're already almost at that level. The pat, how many points we've scored? Twenty-one more, twenty scoring twenty-one or more points. The, we're almost already at that mark. What we did the last two seasons, which is so encouraging, and we're we're doing it in, in our way. We're not getting. There hasn't been, you know, fluke touch. I guess the fluke only fluke touchdown we could talk about is kind of like the first one of this game, where it was just a a, a fumble. Next play, we score like. We haven't. There's been long, methodical drives that have resulted in touchdowns, which we haven't seen in previous years. So, with with Gavin's ability to run, yes, he needs to improve in, with his arm. There's no question about that. But he's growing, and it's 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 consistent. And luckily, we have guys who are able to carry the load and not put all that pressure on the quarterback. To if you know if, if Gavin was rushing for 87 yards in previous years, our leading rusher would have been Gavin Wimsat with 87 yards. It just would have been. Uh, Noah Vedral instead, like previous years. So there's just a lot to be happy about. But you know, it was it, when I if I told you that Rutgers punted more than Virginia Tech, I feel like you'd be surprised. But we did. We punted seven times. They punted five times, and they controlled the the time of possession by almost by almost eight minutes. Like that's I'm say over seven minutes. So the recipe that Rutgers typically likes to follow, besides the, winning the turnover battle, like it, it was questionable at times, but Again, there was very there was I never really felt like Rutgers was going to lose the game unless they turned over the ball, which of course they didn't. So there was, and not to mention Virginia Tech, more first downs, more passing yards. So it's Rutgers is still doing the things that they need to do to, to win the game. They they played Rutgers style football in the fourth quarter. They controlled the ball, they ran the ball, and they killed the clock. Like that's just it, they still were able to do it. It's it's not like they had to move away from it. It just didn't happen until later in the game, which is great. So I mean, it was a it was a win still by what how Rutgers controlled the game, and that's how they need to win these games. This is the stuff that I'm going to judge next week off of. Obviously, a, a huge underdog going into Michigan, a game that you know nobody expects Rutgers to win, including Rutgers fans. We could be honest; the, everybody could be honest with themselves because now that the Virginia Tech. Uh, hurdle is cleared four and one is in it, you know it's within reach with obviously you know Wagner that's I mean if if Rutgers is three and two after that game then then something something very wrong has happened so we could just say that but th- the impressive thing for Rutgers are the little things and that's what I want to see I want to see them continue to draw up a game plan I want to see them take care of the football another game with no turnovers and, and Greg Schiano's biggest Greg Schiano's biggest thing was the penalties they had four penalties on Saturday against a, a far superior team in Michigan, keep those down, take care of the football, and and let the chips kind of fall where they go. If they, you know, Michigan runs away in that game, but, you know, Rutgers maybe runs the ball well or Gavin makes a few plays, you know, turnovers remain low, less than five turnovers. Maybe they don't turn the ball over at all or even if it's, you know, one turnover, something like that. Who knows? Anything could happen. I think that's a game Rutgers goes away feeling pretty good, you know, because they're doing the little things. They're kind of keeping their identity that they've shown over the first three weeks of the season. So, that's where I'm kind of feeling when the schedule gets a little tougher. Obviously, it's going to get a lot more difficult. Rutgers can keep their identity without necessarily winning games, and that's going to help against lesser teams like Indiana, Michigan State. You know, those guys moving forward is still keeping your identity against you know the powerhouses of the Big Ten, um, and and some wins are going to come if they can do that. So the Michigan game is going to be interesting for those aspects, but to keep with Virginia Tech. You mentioned the the answer that they had right after Virginia Tech scores that touchdown. That's two weeks in a row now. We saw that against Temple after they scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter to cut it to ten seven. Rutgers is making plays when they have to. That's a big uh, that's a big aspect of of the team right now. That seems pretty pretty impressive in my opinion. Yeah, I they and I 
another another thing. This was I I definitely think the best defense. Even though they struggled, Virginia Tech. I do think this was a better defense than Northwestern and um, Temple. I agree. Not seeing a single sack again is tremendous. Really, really, really good. And also, I think this was by far the best game the offensive line has played. I didn't dive into the nitty gritty of who came in. If anybody, I don't know if we like were rotating guys in or out. But based off of just quick observations, I definitely think this was the same five for the majority of the game, which is exactly what Rutgers needs going into a game like Michigan. If we need to figure anything out, let's figure it out against Wagner. I don't need us to be moving guys in and out against Michigan. Clearly you have to plan. You're not going to plan for injury, but I think one thing that's good is Rutgers was able to get other guys in, in the previous two games, probably not by choice, but by uh, need. So like there were guys that have experience before going into this game against Michigan, but with the with the way the unit played today, uh, I mean busting off big run plays, and I'm I'm thinking about doing a video breakdown of some of Johnny Langan's blocking in this game on all so on Gavin's touchdown and on the the I don't remember I don't know what happened on the first touchdown, but common on guys second and third. Johnny Langan, two huge blocks. Like, need need to highlight that because that's a guy that Rutgers was just familiar with throwing the ball and catching the ball. But his ability to block as a tight end and also obviously as a pass catcher is you don't notice those things in a box score. And you may not notice it when you're watching highlights. But go back and watch those last – the Gavin's touchdown and Kyle guy's last two touchdowns. And the way Johnny, Johnny Langan's blocking is why those plays were able to happen. So go back and watch those because – got to give credit when it's due so the the offensive line i think took took a very good big step forward exactly at the time when we need them to when we're going on the road to probably face our arguably the biggest test of this the year uh being that it's on the road at michigan who's the number two ranked team in the country so that's a team we'll obviously break down later on in the week but you know john just to keep in mind john jim harbar will be back but I still think that the way the Rutgers coaching staff has game planned and executed the first three games, I'm not sure how much of an advantage. He's obviously a great coach, but what Rutgers has showed against Brent Pry, who's giving me like Chris Ash like vibes, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, right. I was going to say, unfortunately for them. Yeah, because it, I, I want them to succeed, but they're not. But our coaching staff has not let off the gas and I think has done a really, really great job. And Greg Schiano on the sideline, again, Watch him on Christian Dremel's touchdown at the end of the second quarter. The man jumped 500 feet in the air. Like, it just cuts off on the broadcast, but he's animated, but, like, he hasn't had to get angry. Only at the refs, not at the team. So, like, everybody's feeling good, and that's exactly where you want to be going on the road to Ann Arbor in the upcoming week. Yeah, I don't remember Greg Schiano. I've said this before, being this animated. I mean, we've seen him angry. Obviously, you know, if something doesn't go their way, refs especially. But when things are going well and Rutgers is making plays, I don't remember him celebrating this much or that animated when things are going well. And that's a good thing to see. Maybe he wasn't, you know, blowing smoke during media days and press conferences when he says that this is the most excited he's been. But another quick shout out to Johnny Langan. I remember your big thing coming into the season was he couldn't be the leading receiver on this team. And he's clearly not, you know, one catch for two yards. But there's a reason this guy's a captain, and there's a reason he's so valuable to this team, and it's exactly what you said. His ability to block is nothing new, but he does it at such a high level, and it opens up so much for this rushing attack. But most importantly, he's willing to do it. You know, when a guy's willing to go out there and sacrifice, you know, some catches, some targets, anything like that, some carries, especially as a fifth-year player, that, those are the type of guys that you need the glue guys within this program. So, like you said, go back and watch some film if you're a fan and watch Johnny Langan because he does so much good on the on the field and the, for this offense. And there's a reason he labeled He's basically positionless. He's labeled as just a football player. It's because yep. of things like that. Being that sixth offensive lineman almost is very important for this team. And you're seeing it in, come to fruition in the box score, you know, every week out there with Menungai and what everybody's able to do in the rushing game. Yeah, I would love to, uh, you know, this isn't, um, it would be just nice to see. We haven't seen, I think Sean Bowman's been playing. Uh, mostly, I haven't seen him, I don't know if he's caught any balls. Maybe one, not this game, obviously, but he's also in there blocking, so I have to see how he's done. But, you know, it would be great to see tight ends get used more in the passing game. But for yeah. now, the uh, again, we're, we, we're not, I'm not going to, uh, beggars can't be choosers. Like, we are, we're doing what we need to do to win games. At some point, obviously, Gavin's going to need to win it with his arm. And I, I'm i not sure. I haven't been able to watch. Like, obviously, Michigan's first three games just like 
haven't been really worth watching. I watched the first one against ECU and there they struggled. There was there they didn't dominate in any I don't know if they've covered in any of their three games, but you know, the way that Rutgers is playing right now like I know I know we we're, we're going to look ahead, but that line I just I had I have to say this before I forget. The line opened I think at 30 minus Rutgers as a 31 point underdog and has since yeah, moved a full high. touchdown. A full touchdown to 24 points. So if you got him at 31, good for you. Uh, but that's a game where I, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for our previous, uh, our, our next pod podcast where we break that down. But to focus on Virginia Tech, I, I do think though Rutgers did show. You know, we talked about the positives. Talked about Common on guy Gavin with his legs, some of the blocking. But I felt as though throughout the entire game, Rutgers was content with giving them like five or ten yard out routes or flats, like. Keeping it under, keeping everything underneath them, and you know I was fine with that. But then as soon as Flip Dix, like on that first touchdown that Virginia Tech has, Flip Dixon gets hurt, and what happens? They break, they break the zone, and they catch a guy running a uh, crossing route that ends up he ends up scoring. So I, I, I if, I'm not concerned with the secondary, but you know we do have to play some really, really tremendous. Uh, wide receivers in the upcoming games, Penn State, Ohio State specifically. So we're going to need to clean those up. There was a couple of times Max Melton got burnt on one play. Luckily, the receiver drops the ball. It was, I thought, a great throw. Uh, So we just need to clean those things up because we are going to be playing against some talented quarterback and great pass catchers. Uh, So the secondary, mostly on big plays. I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, teams are going to get first downs. This is, this is, 2023 passing is how you play football if you're watching Rutgers football you wouldn't know that but for the most part teams pass the ball and they're going to have success getting first downs passing the ball regardless of the defense they're playing unless you can get after them with four guys which is difficult to do in any whether you're playing in the NFL or in college football that's why some teams go on and win the Super Bowl or win a college football uh, championship because they're able to do more with less on the defensive line so Hopefully the, the secondary can clean up those mistakes, but all in all, the defense again forcing two turnovers. Now the first one, I, I, it was a, I guess you can say they forced it. It was just a bad handoff when you have a new quarterback playing. But that interception by Flip Dixon, another guy, a transfer portal gold mine that we found with him. He's done tremendous. You know, you lose your two starting safeties from the previous year. You fill him in with two other guys. And Shaquan Loyal and uh, Desmond Igbeninson, and they've done a great job. But something that they need to clean up on, we did miss some tackles. There was a couple that the safeties missed. Uh, we, we're going to need to clean that up against some of these more physical Big Ten teams. because the previous. But we are still playing great. And I saw a stat that all three linebackers, Muhammad Ture, Tyreen Powell, and Deion Jennings, are in the top five or six pro football-focused, top-ranked, like, graded linebackers in the Big Ten. Like, to have three is really impressive. I don't think another team has two, but to have three, and I think Rutgers has played, you know, too bad. I think they've played better competition than some of the other teams so far that have played only out of conference opponents. So I think they've played better teams than Michigan has. So it's it's encouraging to see that our guys are being recognized, and it's not just us fooling ourselves saying these guys are really good. No, like sites that actually grade these players and their performances and maybe use advanced metrics to do so are saying these guys are playing great and we're recognizing it. So it's awesome. So the defense, the defense is good. I don't, I, don't, I think that is very fair to say, especially when the offense is actually playing competently. The, the defense only has gotten better, which is great. This was obviously the game where they've let up the most points let up some big plays, but I think that was going to happen some point in the season. So most importantly, they answered Ben don't break and they were far from breaking. Yeah, it was the defense was impressive once again, and like you said, they're a good unit. They are the secondary. If there are, I won't say concerns because that's the wrong word to use. Really, through any part, um, through three weeks of the season, because Rutgers has looked pretty good across the board. You know, taking what they taking what other teams are giving them, and then taking you know what's theirs also. But that secondary, like you said, is not is would be the question mark I'll put moving forward, and it's because of the competition and also just some of the play on the field. It was expected to be a little bit of a strength, but. Because of the depth, I should say, that they've shown in previous years. But people forget they lost so much from last year's team that there's going to be that turnover. There might even be some growing pains um, with, with a secondary like this. So the first three games has kind of been a good measuring stick for them to show what they can do. But that front is talented. They're deep. They're strong. I mean, the linebackers are incredible. We knew that coming into the year. 
And, and once again, they were able to get after the quarterback. Four sacks on Saturday, I believe they finished with, and really just finally putting pressure on a quarterback. And the, doing it against a rushing quarterback, too, was very um, very positive, very encouraging to see from that group. Again, this Virginia Tech team, they have their issues, but they're easily the best team, I think, that Rutgers has played. It was the biggest test. And, and I like that what there was a little adversity. We mentioned that touchdown that they scored to cut it to five. There was a little adversity for Rutgers that they had to come over because you're not to another Power 5 team, an ACC team. Rutgers could have went out, get stopped, give up another score. All of a sudden, you're losing that game. But to answer the way they did and take control in that fourth quarter especially, very impressive, and that's what you want to see from this team. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think to spin our – I don't want to say ne- – I guess, yeah, there were negatives. Like there were areas to improve, but that's what I'm, what I'm going at is – there's things where we know, hey, we need to improve on this. We know what we're doing well. Now we can focus on what we need to improve on. I think that's what was great about this game is we still won. We, we I, again, left little doubt uh, after the the way that we won. But we're able to improve on things that need to improve on. Offensively, the offensive line showed improvement after the first two games, and including this one. The running game is outstanding. Now let's clean up the passing game. You know, We're going to need to figure out – I understand we're rotating in a lot of guys. Ian Strong was targeted a lot in the receiving game. There was a couple. There was a couple of just he was open. Gavin missed him. There was the one play that set up the Christian Dremel touchdown where Gavin actually threw a really great ball. There was defensive pass interference. I think if there wasn't defensive pass interference on that play, I think Strong comes down with that ball. It's, it, it's at the end of the second quarter if you want to watch it. But it was a pretty good ball, back shoulder throw right at the uh, front of the end zone on the right side. Then another throw he had, Gavin had to him. It might have been on third down or second down where Gavin just kind of threw it behind him. So it's good to see him getting involved. But Jaquay Jackson was targeted early in the game, and then they kind of moved away. Uh, so I, I do want to see a little bit more consistency from the wide receiver room, more from like, who's going to be our guy? It's great that Christian Dremel scored his first touchdown. I think he caught three or four passes, was our leading receiver. But – I don't know if enough, I think oh, the only other receiver that caught a pass was Isaiah Washington. So we do need to improve there. But again, we're, we're, there are positives on offense and on defense. Let's just clean up some of this in the, in the secondary. The, the, the front seven did a good job making their tackles and in pass coverage, but the secondary did miss some tackles. Now you're probably going to see that happening, but we're going to be playing some good teams where we're going to need to rely on them as our last line of defense, both in the passing and running game. So areas of improvement for sure. And we're still waiting to see what our return game is going to be. We just haven't had a chance to return anything, whether it's a punt or a kickoff, which, you know, at this point, I'm like, why do we even have kickoffs at this point? And in the NFL, uh, too. Especially, like, yeah, especially in college though, with a fair catch. There's just no – and again, like in previous years, that's where Rutgers got on the board is they were able to return kicks or punts. Now, the punting is a little different, but with kick returning, it's like we don't – I don't know if we're going to return on the entire season. So it, it is what it is, but like I said, clearly there were some areas where we need to improve, but I'm excited that the, they have that on film and they can work on improving those ahead of a very, very important game in Ann Arbor. Like you said, it's most likely a game Rutgers loses, but we're going to learn a lot about the team and hopefully can even be talked more critically in a positive way about them after that game. It was one of those weird games because I, as you're watching it, you obviously feel good about what you're seeing. Not just from Kyle Manungai, but what Wimsat was able to do with his legs. Just so impressive. We know the athleticism, the speed that he brings. <clears throat> but then you look, you watch the game, they win. They do a lot of good things. Then you go back, you think about it, you look at the the box score, and it's like, wow, they, threw, they only threw the ball 16 times. Like, Gavin comp- completed seven passes, 46 yards. And you're not discouraged. But it makes you kind of scratch your head and be like, wow, you know, this is... It's a little bit alarming to see, but... That kind of takes me back to the coaching, where you could look and say 46 yards, 16 pass attempts, but they didn't have to throw the ball too much. They were getting so much on the ground that the coaches felt good about sticking to their game plan. So it's like you you feel good watching the game. You look at the box score, you scratch your head a little bit, and then you think about it further. It's like, well, maybe that was their plan coming in. You know, if Wimsett has to throw the ball, they're going to call for him to throw the ball a little more. You know, these games have been a little lopsided at times, so he hasn't had to do too much. I think we're going to see more of that against Michigan and obviously one of the better defenses, teams in the countries that we're going to see him play against. That's kind of where I give the credit again to the coaching staff. I said it before. I'll say it again. I've said it for three weeks now. They're they're creating a game plan. They're following a game plan. 
and it's really working in ways that Rutgers hasn't seen over the past few years. So the addition of Kirk Soraka and what Shiano did to round out this staff has been very impressive. Yeah, and, and I mentioned the time of possession. Yes, you can work on improving that, but it's almost harder for us or a team to have more time of possession when we had touchdowns of 19 yards, 34 yards, 55 yards, and 12 yards. So more than 10 yards out, like without, we couldn't establish a, a drive if we're scoring from so far out. So like that's a, keep that in mind when factoring like, oh, well, Rutgers didn't hold on to the ball that long. Like when you have a 55 yard run, when you have a 34 yard run by your quarterback, you you would have probably held on to the ball for maybe two or three more minutes, but you know, I'm fine with that. I was excited. Those were plays I've been wanting to see as these explosive plays. And there were a couple times we, we had opportunities with some longer passes. But again, they they tried it. It didn't work. And they went right back to what was what was working. There were a couple of drives. I feel like because we ended up punting so much, I wanted to talk about this. There were a couple of drives where I felt like we were sticking with the pass more than, when, than we needed to. There may have been a couple of drives where we passed like th- three times. Wasn't a fan of that. However, that is going to happen at some point in the year where we're going to need to do that. So we tried it. It wasn't a success. But again, things where we can improve on. And I'm hoping the coaching staff can can come out with something. Because, and Greg, correct me if, if or let me know if you agree. But, you know, we still haven't seen really Sam Brown. Obviously not Aaron Young. Very little of Al Shadi Salam. And other players on offense. Like, I still think there's more this offense is going to show especially in the passing game. Like they haven't done any, they've done a lot of the same. Like I'm, I'm waiting to see what else they're going to do. I'm not even sure if there's been that much RPO with, with a, like there's been options like run options, but I'm not sure if they've added so much of that passing option yet. So I don't know if introducing that during Michigan is a great idea, but maybe they've been practicing that and they're ready to do it. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what this offense can do moving forward because we know they can run the ball. They've been doing a great job between the, the guards in the middle, but when are we going to get outside really? And, and we've done some, we did a lot of quarterback sweeps this game. It felt like, but I can't wait to see Sam Brown get, get in some space, do something special because we just haven't seen it yet. He hasn't had the opportunity. He hasn't need to. And I think that's a good thing because he clearly has the talent. And so does Gavin. I know Gavin has the arm. We just need to put it all together. So I think the team, the team's just playing great. This is a different feel for Rutgers football, what we're watching uh, this season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, that they haven't shown everything offensively. And I think it's smart. You know, you don't want to show too much too early. Keep doing what works. You see it more in the NFL, I think, than in college, because college, they'll ram it down your throat. They'll throw it all over your, their teams to try and score 60, 70 points if they can. But you see more in the NFL where teams will they'll do something well for a quarter and then they'll just completely go away from it. It's almost like coaches feel like they have to change it up, even though it's been working for so long. I don't agree with that at that level. I definitely don't agree with it at the college level. So that's why I'm glad to see Rutgers not force anything. Again, Kirk's Rock is keeping Wimsett in a comfortable spot for him to succeed, making things easy and the, and the ground game. Obviously, you could run for 200 yards. That's obviously going to help your quarterback, especially if he's being part of it. So the game plan against Michigan is going to be interesting to see against a defense that can do everything. They can stop the run. They got a, a good secondary. And then against an offense that's expected to score some points. Curious to see how it does open up against this Michigan team. Or if maybe they try to do the same thing. Maybe try and keep the same game plan to try and muck it up a bit. But again, we'll break that down later in the week. To this point, though, like you said, I, I don't think that they've done everything they have offensively, especially with personnel. And to me, it was smart to save it through the first three games. I don't think you should see you know much against Wagner opening it up offensively. I think we'll just see more of the bench, obviously, especially in the second half. So they'll get more bodies into those games. But going into Big Ten play, they have, feel like, a uncharted territory on the play sheet that Kirk Sorak is going to have to open up at some point. Yeah, but one thing that I, I want us to avoid in, in future games and obviously Michigan is getting out of the first quarter quickly. This past game, the first quarter, I kept looking at the clock and I was like, oh, man, like we, we scored. We didn't start with the ball. Virginia Tech obviously did, and they fumbled on like the first or second play. We scored with 14 minutes and 17 seconds left in the first quarter. The first quarter went on for way too long, and for against a good team like that with Rutgers, it happened last year against Penn State, where there was we were punching back and forth. And what happened? You know, we were fighting, 
we get to that second quarter and the team was just already done. Like we, we didn't have the talent to compete at that level for another three quarters. So against Virginia Tech, that wasn't the case. Against a team like Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and even some of the other teams, Iowa, like we're going to need to figure out ways to kill the clock because the clock is not our friend if we're going to continue to allow teams to have opportunities. So that is something I want the team to work on. Clearly, when you start the game and you – get the ball and you score a touchdown immediately. Like can't complain about that, but we weren't establishing. There wasn't a lot of drives that were established after that first touchdown in the first quarter. We picked it up in the second quarter. We kind of, we, they, they, they fizzled out in the third quarter and they picked it up again in the fourth quarter. So this was, it kind of happened like this in the other two games. I would love us to find ways to be, be consistent throughout the, the entire four quarters, the entire 60 minutes. The team's clearly still chopping because when the fourth quarter comes around, that's when they turn it on. But we just have to find ways to, 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 to chop at that level throughout the whole game. Much easier said than done, and a lot of the game will dictate how that goes. But that was something that was worrying me because I was like, hey, they're playing great right now. They're playing great right now, but we're, there's still five minutes in the first quarter. I don't like that. So as a fan, keep eyes on that because – you want to watch the team. You want the game to go on forever, but I want to win the game. And when we're on, when the game's taking forever, that's a problem for Rutgers, I think, against some of these more elite programs that we'll be facing. That's an interesting point, that first quarter. It was, it was like in the Northwestern game. They put together a long drive, score a touchdown, get the ball right back, and they end the quarter with the football. So they have it for 13 minutes in that first quarter, but it was only their second. But they were still in the middle of their second possession. So not a ton happened. You know, you don't look up at in a game like that. You don't look up at the clock and be like, "Man, there's still you know five six minutes left." It's like, man, first quarter's over already. I think that does bode well for Rutgers. But consistently, uh, consistency, excuse me, is definitely something I've talked about the past three weeks and something that Rutgers will have to get. And I think it'll come with time. Again, we look at a, a new quarterback as a full time starter, a new offensive scheme, a team that likes to run the ball, which is good for consistency, and, and question marks all over the field at the wide receiver position. There's going to be some of those growing pains with this offense, but against better competition, like you said, you want to see drives get sustained a little more. You want to see that consistency. Keep the clock moving, especially against a team like Michigan, and I think Rutgers will be able to do that if they can get the ground game going because this line's playing well. You know, It's something that we haven't said again in three years, but it seems like he might have found his five. I don't want to say anything, especially with Greg Schiano. Things could change You know, at the snap of his fingers, but... It seems like they might have found their five and they're starting to gel three weeks in. Yeah, I totally agree. And <clears throat> excuse me again. I think something else that needs to be noted is a football program that's succeeding rises all ships or lifts all ships, whatever that phrase is. Uh, rising tide lifts all ships. What's happening now with Rutgers football is I think this may have been the third straight game, or at least I know that at, uh, Northwestern, you had Dylan Harper there unofficial unofficial visit and then this game you had four-star basketball recruit for the 20 class of 2025 brandon stores who i think's sister transferred to rutgers basketball i could be wrong maybe might be thinking about somebody else but in any case this was a great environment for uh, recruits to see across all sports football basketball whoever all of rutgers these are good things for Rutgers, and that's the most important thing right now, I think, is you know, we aren't getting out of these games and getting lucky. You know, they're winning these games and they're showing to the to these recruits and hopefully future Scarlet Knights, like this is the place you're gonna wanna be. This this is there was a vision put in place not too long ago, and we're starting to see it really come into fruition. So I think that was a huge, huge takeaway because obviously we know where Rutgers basketball stands with recruiting. They're hot, they're hot on the trail, but at like you, I know you want to know how will we be able to sustain that and to see guys in the class of 2025 on campus seeing Piscataway is huge. And, I, and I, I'm so happy about that. I imagine they have even more recruits at Wagner because that's a game where you're going to see some, I imagine, fireworks on offense and probably maybe a defensive touchdown or two. And maybe that's a game where we get to see something in the return game. But it's only going to keep going up for Rutgers if they keep winning games. You win games, people will care. People will talk about Rutgers. Yeah, we may not be getting AP votes. I think that's fair and completely justified. Right. But let's see what happens after Michigan. Because after Michigan, we're playing games that aren't going to be as challenging. Obviously, Wisconsin is a team that we've always struggled against. But 
you know, I'm not afraid of Iowa. I'm not afraid of Iowa because of our defense. I'm not going to act like their offense is way better than ours. I'm not going to say Cade McNamara has more experience than Gavin Wimsatt, but Gavin Wimsatt's more talented. I think that's fair to say. Like, clearly, Iowa does things better than Rutgers, but Rutgers right now is playing at a level where I think they can go toe-to-toe with a lot of the teams in the Big Ten, which is something we would never have been able to say almost in every season in the Big Ten so far. So, yes, it's only been three games. I'm probably overreaching there. But the, the way the defense has been playing and the way Kyle Manunga has been running the ball, it's tough to feel negative about the program right now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Wisconsin thing yet, but definitely Iowa. I mean, I don't care where that game's being played. Iowa can't score points. I mean, we've seen that. You know, I'm not a big Iowa offensive fan. Brian Ferentz is a joke. but So I agree with it there. Then you look at it again. Indiana's got to be a win, in my opinion. You know, the Michigan State game with all things going on there, they just got rolled by Washington. That could be a win now, you know. So there's some things opening up. And, you know, while I might not be completely sold yet on the Wisconsin game, because especially it's in Madison, that's a team right now that's kind of going through similar growing pains with a new system, new coach, quarterback. They're not playing good football yet. Not saying they won't over the course of the entire season, but right now they're not. So as the year goes on, you know, Rutgers establishes an identity. Teams start to show who they are. You know, things could change. Also, I think, yeah, um, stores, like you said, was there. I think you're thinking of um, Destiny Adams, the one who transferred into basketball. That's it. And I, yeah. I think her brother's a five-star recruit. Her brother's a five-star, if I remember. Yeah. He just tra- he's a Jersey guy. He just transferred yep. to um, – La Lamere, though, for his final year. But so he, I think Rutgers has an offer into him, too. So it'd be nice to get him on campus for a visit, especially with his sister transferring in. But definitely a lot of good things going on. And if you go to the games, the student section, you know, you were there Saturday, obviously. People say it's much, much improved. Like a lot of people are getting in the building. There seems like more energy in the stadium. Yeah, I, I but I do need to be critical because the students did leave at halftime, mostly that most of them, which. Would have been an awful, awful look if Rutgers did end up losing that yeah. game. And, you know, your the Virginia Tech scores that touchdown to go up, uh, I guess the score was 21-10. And they scored in the student section end zone. It wasn't empty yet, but I look at it, I'm like, that's not good. Like, that is bad. I would say for the most part, the sideline stayed intact until like the middle of the fourth quarter when, you know, it clearly was the game's been decided. But there was... And, you know, if you're on Twitter, you know, big game boomer, he did rank Rutgers student section as the worst this year or the worst for this week. And honestly, at the start of the game, that would have not been the case, but they did all leave at halftime, which I I think it's an unfair ranking because they were there at the start of the game. And, you know, look at all these other schools throughout the SEC and the Big Ten, like those student sections don't stay for the whole game all the time, especially, yes, it was a blowout, but it was a blowout at halftime. And then Virginia Tech answered pretty quickly. So, I think it was a fair ranking, you know, wake up call. The riot squad was still there, but the student section as a whole fizzled out, you know, by halftime, which was a problem. But, you know, I I felt I was feeling very, very confident at halftime. Like I was, you know, making jokes with my fiance and her friends. But, you know, for a second, I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to be quiet for a bit until Rutgers writes the ship. And they did immediately. But that was something that needed to be said. The environment was good. But, yeah, we got to find ways to keep the students there for the entire game because, it wasn't great that uh, they did head out pretty early, but I was a student at times. I know what it's like still, you know, keep winning games. The games get when there's a, even a larger stage, we're going to rely on them. We're going to lean into that, but you know, those are going to come and we'll see what happens. Was I right about the tailgate scene at, uh, I said last week that I feel like that three thirty time slots, the best one for, it would be for me personally. Cause you get, you could get there at 9am. You have those extra couple hours. I feel because of the, the three thirty kickoff rather than noon. Is that a, a fair thing to say or do fans you think like the noon kickoff better it was too, it was too good i'm gonna be honest i wish i wish it was a noon kickoff to be honest uh because we you know the lots were supposed to open five hours before kickoff we were there at nine yeah, that's yeah. six and a half hours before kickoff so that's a lot of time it's very fun i'm not complaining but i will say i typically like to tailgate in the scarlet lot mostly because it's easy for uh, people to find where we are because we get there so early we're in the front row and if you're familiar with the hill that's to the left of the student section that people will walk up you know i'm just like walk up that hill and you'll see us you know i've been in the i've done blue lot i've done green lot everything's super fun uh but yeah the 330 games people definitely were a lot arriving way past 10 30 like the scarlet knot was not full closer till like noon probably which is fine but i've kind of identified why there's such a problem getting people into games early is or at kickoff. It's because at our tailgate, 
within the last 90 minutes or so is when the most people were there. It doubled in size, I want to say, in like a blink of an eye. So you have these people who showed up at, we'll say, 1.30 for, we'll say 2 o'clock for a 3.30 game. They're having fun. They don't want to go in yet because they just got there. And then they are the last ones to get into the game. So that I'm sure that's not unique to Rutgers. I'm sure that's just how it goes. My recommendation to people would be, to just show up earlier, tailgate earlier and get into the game. You can always drink inside the stadium. Obviously, you're probably going to save some money at the tailgate, but that was something I like. I was like, wow, where are all these people come from? And then you realize like, well, not everybody's going to wake up early to tailgate at 9 a.m. for a 3.30 game. I love doing it. Other people want to spend a little more time later on in the afternoon at the tailgate, but that's kind of the problem. And also, I was with my mom going into the game. And the bag check lines, listen, if you have a bag and you're going to the game, just get in the line early. Get in the stadium early because you're going to be waiting. They, they're going to check your bag. I'm not going to say if they did a good job or bad job because I didn't have a bag. There's nothing for me to check. But maybe don't bring a bag or get into, the, get into the line early because there's very few of those lines compared to all the others. And you see this line and it moves, but it's daunting. You're like, crap, the game's kicking off in 10 minutes. Are we going to get in on time? Luckily, we did, but... I only can imagine that line grew and grew and grew as kickoff started. So another reason, and I'm sure that's a problem at other stadiums as well, but you know, you're, I just say, try not to bring a bag. I know that's unrealistic, especially for a lot of people who have purses and other bags, but you know, just maybe don't bring a bag, wear cargo pants or something like that. So it was, that was an issue, but all in all, very, very positive experience. And, uh, I will say though, I still love watching football on TV. So that is how that is my final stance. Yeah, I was at a week. I was at a game week one. I'm a I'm a Washington fan of the NFL, and I went to their week one game because of the first game with the new owner. So we had to make it out there. You know, great experience. Stadium was loud finally, but I agree. There's something different about football on TV because you could really see you could you can see more in my opinion. I know people will say that you can see the whole field when you're watching the game, see how things play out, this and that. I like watching the offensive lines and the defensive lines, and then obviously you get a better view of um, the lines coming in where the football's placed, obviously, depending where you're sitting. If you're sitting in the end zone, you really have no vantage point on how many yards were gained on a specific play. But yeah, football on TV is definitely good. It's definitely not a radio sport. Baseball is more of a radio sport. Football on the radio is horrible. I think, um, like I said, that 3.30 times a lot for me, perfect, because you get the long tailgate, game's over by, you know, 7, you're out of there 7.30, you still got the rest of your night, as opposed to the, you know, the 12 o'clock kick, where you can get there as early as you want, but again, game, you got to start going in around 11, 11.30, so you get those extra couple hours at 3.30. Well, guess what, Rutgers fans, I just happened to open up Twitter, first thing I saw is the time for the uh, week five, and that's, that's next two weeks from now. Yeah, the Wagner, Wagner Rutgers is going to be 3.30. So if you had fun at, at, at Virginia Tech, whew, you're going to have way more fun at that game, especially if you get it on time, because you'll be having fun at the tailgate and even more fun inside the stadium. So look for that one. That's September 30th, uh, last Saturday in September. Now, that is the day of my engagement party that my mom so dearly planned. I think it's at 12, however, in Red Bank. So I might try to get to that state. I might have to leave my own party early if I want to go to that game. Skip the tailgate, eat some good food. Uh, but I might be able to get to that game. But either way, uh, that's if you had fun at Virginia Tech, that's another one to look for at 3.30. So that one will be – it will be on Big Ten Network. So I, and one thing, I don't know if you've ran into problems. I don't know what TV, TV, TV provider you use, but I've been seeing people now – I think it's more of a cable thing rather than like a YouTube streaming service – a problem is there's all these alternate alternate Big Ten network channels. I think it's more of like Direct TV, and like there's multiple games that there's three, there's four. Oh no, there's only so Indiana plays at Maryland at three thirty on Big Ten network, and then Wagner plays Rutgers at three thirty on Big Ten network. And I've seen people online complaining about you know they tried to record the game, but it was a different Big Ten game. They had to go to another channel. Have you ran into any issues like that, or have known anybody to have any issues like that? I haven't. I haven't heard of anything of, of that nature. I have YouTube TV, so yeah. everything's been pretty smooth for me. I'd, it'd be kind of surprising if they had that you know, problem, especially on cable. You figure Big Ten games, Big Ten Network, they got to be streamed somewhere. Um, but no, I haven't really heard of anything like that. And for me, YouTube TV is great. Anybody who needs, who's looking for a new provider or, or doing anything of the, anything like that, I highly recommend YouTube TV. Agreed. Also, great to rewatch the games too. I mean, I I you, I don't even have to. I don't know if it's because I 
clicked Rutgers as my favorite team, but like the games are already recorded and I think you can even just search it and watch everything. It's really, really great. I mean, this is not an ad. I would love for it to be an ad, but it's not. It's just the truth. I love it. I love it a lot. Uh, And it's great to watch on your phone. Obviously you're relying on your cell service if you're on your phone, but it makes it easy. It makes it easy. And they have red zone. If you like NFL as well, obviously Sunday ticket, I don't need that, but pay a little extra for red zone and have more fun on Sunday. So not an ad, but hopefully maybe eventually in the future. Yeah. YouTube's definitely great. I think might be because you chose them as your favorite team. I don't have anything in there like that. I usually, if I want to record something, I'll just record, which you could do a lot of places, but even though the YouTube TV recording, it's unlimited. It's easy to uh, get through the commercials. If you want to fast forward, throw them. It is, it's, Comes highly recommended on this podcast for sure. And hopefully nobody runs into anything when it comes to the, the Rutgers-Michigan game. I don't think uh, the NCAA or the national broadcast is going to do anything to, to slight Michigan football. So at least fans should have an easy viewing experience this week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And they're going to enter that game again. Big underdog, but they're going to enter at 3-0. and And right now that's all we can go off of. That's all fans have to be excited about. And, you know, maybe... Maybe not talk yourself into winning the game, but try and talk yourself into competing in the game. We saw that two years ago, so who knows what's going to happen if Rutgers goes in and mucks this game up, kind of like they did two years ago. That is something we're going to break down further in the Friday edition of the show, the Michigan preview, and coming back with our best bets of week two. But until then, Matt, any final thoughts? Guys, I... I know I said I like watching games on TV, but this was one of the more, again, and I was in an away team section, so it was mostly Virginia Tech fans, which was good. I'm happy they showed up, uh, and I think they had a positive time because at some point the game was, you know, going their way, but it was very fun, a game that Rutgers really, really closed out, some really explosive plays. I got to see Gavin break big runs, so if you haven't been to a game yet, get to get to SHI Stadium. It's very fun. Uh, the, they do. Rutgers has done a really tremendous job with their game day environments, both you know pregame, po- during the game, and post game. Family, family fun for everyone. I know I didn't mean for that to like rhyme there, but the it's it's a good time. Uh, bring your bring your family if you have little little cousins. There's plenty to do at the boardwalk. I was with my two twin cousins, my three year old cousins had a time of their life in the game actually. So positive experience for everyone, and I hope that if you haven't been there yet, you do get there this season. But Totally fun. Obviously, we always love to be on our couches, but there's only so many Saturdays in the fall where we can watch our team play live. So if you haven't done so, make some plans to get over to SHI. Absolutely. That three, now that I know it's a 3.30 kick, might have to make a little plan there for my own tailgate since that's my, my favorite time. But before we get to that Week 5 game, obviously we got Michigan, and we'll be back later in the week to break that down and preview the upcoming game between Rutgers and Michigan.